Hello, Florida Bar members and Florida registered paralegals. This is a quick reminder from the Standing Committee on Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers that you are approved to use the Florida Lawyers Helpline, a completely free and confidential around-the-clock helpline designed to support you in managing the challenges of both your personal and professional life. By dialing 833-FL1-WELL or 833-351-9355, you can connect with mental health professionals who are ready to assist you. Take advantage of up to five complimentary in-person or telehealth counseling sessions annually. And remember, there's no limit to the number of calls you can make. Reach out today. You're listening to the Florida Bar Podcast, brought to you by the Florida Bar's Practice Resource Center, Legal Fuel. Produced by the broadcast professionals of the Florida Bar. Welcome to the Florida Bar's Legal Fuel Podcast, brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. We're so glad you're joining us. This is Christine Bilbury. I'm the director of the Practice Resource Center and one of the hosts of the show, which is being recorded from our studio in Tallahassee, Florida. And I'm Jamie Moore. I'm a practice management advisor at the Florida Bar and co-host of today's podcast. Our goal at the Practice Resource Center is to assist Florida attorneys with running the business side of their law practices. We focus on a different topic each month and carry the theme through our website with related tips, videos, and articles. So beginning in March of 2020, the pandemic transformed every aspect of our lives. And for most of us who had reported to an office every day, this meant a very sudden shift to remote-only work. Law firms in particular had to quickly adapt to stay connected to the courts, colleagues, and their clients. So we're now more than three years out. And while some firms found that remote work was seamless and they chose to continue it, other firms have gone to a hybrid model or banned remote work completely. According to a recent ABA report, 89% of lawyers in private practice are allowed to work remotely. 18% are permitted to work out of the office all the time, and 45% have the flexibility to choose their own schedule. Here at the Practice Resource Center, we were curious to hear how it's all working out. So joining us today to discuss how his firm has adapted to the new normal is Richard Rivera. He's a partner at Smith Gambrel Russell in their Jacksonville office. Richard Rivera received his B.A. in economics from the University of Florida in 2009 and earned his J.D. degree, cum laude, from the Florida State University College of Law. Rich works in both the litigation and the intellectual property practice groups. His IP practice is concentrated in trademark and copyrights, compliance with state and federal laws governing sweepstakes and other promotional activities, software and internet technology, marketing and licensing issues. He also prosecutes trademark and copyright copyright registrations before the United States Patent and Trademark Office and the United States Copyright Office. Rich is also the current chair of the Florida Bar's Mental Health and Wellness of Florida Lawyers Committee. Welcome to the show, Rich. Hi, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Rich, the ABA Journal recently featured an article about your law firm's stance on remote work. Initially, the firm was against it, but we assume COVID-19 changed that. Could you share how remote work was initially implemented at the firm? Sure. We have our firm retreat usually in April of every year. And we were at our firm retreat in April 2019. And we were talking about work-life balance issues and 
what the firm might be doing to help with that. And a question was raised to our managing partner and it was, is the firm going to embrace remote work and allowing our attorneys to, to work remotely? And uh, our managing partner out of our Atlanta office said, well, you know, they used to say that a lawyer that's hard to find isn't worth finding. <laughs> um, so um, at that point, there was definitely a dim view on working remotely. Um, obviously, the pandemic came about a year later and forced uh, a lot of firms to, to take a different view, including my firm. Uh, we, we transitioned to remote working, including you know, getting our IT uh, team up and out to get people what they needed to work from home and, and get all of the technology set up for us. Uh, and, you know, we found it to be in an incredibly profitable year where the revenue didn't dip. Productivity was at, I don't know, I wouldn't, I, could, I don't know that I could say it was an all time high, but productivity was way up um, and all the numbers were great. And so the firm then took a very different view on remote <laughs> work uh, moving forward. Nice. Very good. And I think the topic of remote work keeps coming up um, because living through the pandemic was scary, but it also made a lot of us take stock of our lives, maybe for the first time. So I'm going to paraphrase a wise and funny influencer that I follow on Instagram, Corey Dior, because it reflects my experience working remotely. He says, remember quarantine when everyone was at home, working, dancing, making art, taking care of plants, and just learning new and useful skills, and we got a small glimpse into what life is supposed to be like. So I'm going to ask you, Rich, did working from home cause you to consider all the issues surrounding your own work-life balance? They did. Um, you know, I, I've always called myself a runner, well, for a long time, and I like to, you know, I like to say I like to get out and run when I can. But it wasn't really until working from home that I really found the time and made it a routine to go out and run every day. And it was little things like that. Um, you know, it wasn't necessarily just running. There were other little hobbies uh, that I picked up, that my wife picked up, and you know, so many people around us picked up that you know allowed us time and space um, to kind of engage in those things uh, and take that break from work, whether it's in the morning when you would have been commuting or it's in the middle of the day in lieu of a, a lunch break because I could go for a run and, and come back and you know, I'm already at home if I need to shower for the rest of the day. Or I'm only talking to people via Zoom if I decide I'm not going to shower for the rest of the day. <laughs> Um, and so, you know, there was just that lot of space that opened up, but the flip side to that is there was a lot of space that was opened up and there weren't boundaries that were necessarily set. And so for, you know, a lot of people, uh, I think the pendulum swung maybe a little too far to where, you know, they would wake up and start working. They might take a break during the day at some point, but. You know, there was never that like workday startup or workday shutdown uh, time to where work just kind of seeped out into the edges of their entire day, uh, which, you know, 
is not a good, not a good balance, unfortunately. I agree. So how did, how did you deal with that? Did you have like a, did you create a set space um, where you would work so that you could walk away from it or how did you handle it? Uh, well, unfortunately, both my wife and I were working from home uh, during the pandemic and uh, only one office in our house. <laughs> uh, so we kind of traded off who, who got to use the, uh, the working space and who had to uh, use the dining room table or working on a laptop on the couch. Uh, it was generally the, the other places that, that work got done. Um, so the days that I was able to, to use the working space, that was great. Um, the days that I wasn't able to, I tried to implement some sort of routine to, to tell my brain, Hey, the work day is starting now. Hey, the work day is ending now. For me, that was taking dogs for a walk around the block, um, and doing some other things, um, some meditation and journaling and some mindfulness practice uh, was also a way that I could kind of delineate between the, the work day and time for recharging. So it sounds like you probably got healthier. Um, you were doing all the right things because you had finally had time. Were you, were you cooking more meals at home too, doing all the, that was my experience that like every part of your life could be the way you wanted it to be. And I just want to add the commute. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what sticks out to me is taking away that commute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. At the, at the beginning of the pandemic, my commute was at that time about 35 to 40 minutes a day each way. Yeah. That's um, not bad so, for Jacksonville actually. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but getting rid of that was definitely, you know, it added another what, hour and 10 hour and 20 minutes uh, back into my day, which was wonderful. Um, we did find that we were, we were cooking more meals at home uh, with all the restaurants closed. It kind of became a, um, a necessity. Uh, what I was, what I found for me was that I got much more into a routine of cooking uh, as part of that workday shutdown. Uh, now, if you ask my wife, she'll say I was boring and cooked the same three meals over <laughs> and over again. Uh, but I like to think I got pretty good at those three meals. Yeah, three's three's good. I love you could you could be completely participating in a Zoom meeting and be prepping dinner and nobody knows. Like that's right. Yeah, it, it was lovely. Okay, so what's the reality for you now? What are you doing? Are you going in some days, all days? What what does it look like? For me, I I am in the office most days. Um, that's a when I say most days, I mean nine days and two weeks. Um, yeah, almost every day. Uh, I just, I like working in my office. Uh, I have a good setup there. I have my standing desk, uh, and some other things that I've done to make things more ergonomic, uh, and more comfortable for me for working, including multiple monitors, which I don't have at my, my home office. That is a personal choice for me. Um, at my firm, we have a firm-wide policy, which is that our junior associates, so usually people who have been practicing in their first three years or four years, uh, are expected to be in the office, I believe, four days a week. 
And the thought behind that is that we want them in the office to be able to learn more from the other lawyers that are there and, you know, frankly, to have maybe a little bit more oversight and, and supervision uh, just to you know, make sure they're, they're keeping up with what they're supposed to be doing and have the resources that they need, um, frankly, to, to do those things. As we get a little older in, in the practice, uh, we don't have those official requirements on our attorneys, although you know we have been told that it would really be appreciated if uh, the partners were in the office you know, about the same time that the junior associates are, um, so that there are those people there for those associates to, you know, to learn from and to stop in the office and, you know, bounce an idea off of. But that's you know, not a firm uh, policy, uh, no pun intended there. <laughs> but that's also, while it's a firm-wide policy, you know, things have happened differently across the country. Our my firm is based uh, in a number of cities across the United States and even internationally. And, you know, Atlanta and Jacksonville, where the, I'll just say the reaction to the pandemic was not as strong as in some other metropolitan cities, you know, that is the expectation. But in some of our other cities like uh, Los Angeles, Washington, D.C., New York, you know, that might not be the, uh, while it's the policy, it may not be enforced or, or really the expectation, um, you know, especially where some of those you have much longer commutes uh, and much stronger reactions to, to the pandemic. And that's a good point. If, if you're wasting your time commuting, you could be home billing already. That's so right. When, when you talk about the productivity shooting up, that's that's actually, you know, tons of firms had their most profitable years and had, you know, the most hours billed, you know, and obviously that's a two-sided sword. So like you mentioned, right. good for the firm, maybe not the best thing for the employees. Right. So as far as your support staff, are they eligible for remote work or are there any positions that just are not eligible? Uh, so our support staff generally is uh, eligible for remote work. Okay. Um, we do have a an ask of them being in the office for four days a week. You know, for example, legal assistants or paralegals who I would say, you know, generally work for, you know, the same two or three attorneys on a daily basis might have some some different agreements with the people that they support that you know, maybe they only need to be in the office three days a week, or, you know, if there's a day when no one else is going to be in the office, none of the attorneys, then, you know, everyone can work remotely. Uh, but the, the firm policy is, uh, is four days a week for the support staff. Now, I do believe our receptionist uh, is asked to be there every day uh, so that we, we have somebody to, to welcome people into the office. But as far as I know, no one who actually works for the firm in my office uh, is ineligible for you know that hybrid work. That's good to hear. Yeah. Uh, that sounds very democratic. So I'm relieved. Um, we we have heard all different kinds of stories. There's a, a firm administrator that's in our association that we've talked to, and when everyone got sent home, the support staff was on it. They were doing everything they were supposed to be doing, and some of the attorneys went MIA. So the policy changed, mm -hmm. and to this day. 
support staff mostly can work remote and the attorneys have to be in the office. <laughs> that, was, that was the best one I've heard. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so let's talk about, I don't know how much hiring you guys did during the pandemic when people were, were working remotely, but one of the obje objections that I have heard to virtual law office environment is that there is a loss of firm culture when new attorneys are not physically working alongside the senior attorneys. Um, how did your firm handle training and mentoring if you did hire some people during the uh, pandemic? Uh, we did do some hiring. Uh, my firm, at least in the Jacksonville office, we tend to hire through our summer associate program where a second year law student uh, at the end of that year will come and join our firm for 10 weeks. And we treat them as a first year associate, um, having them do research, writing motions, and, and basically just learning what it's like at our firm. So that's normally how we hire associates at my firm is after they finish that 10 week internship, everything goes well. We, we ask them to come back after their, their third year of law school. In fact, that's, that's how I joined uh, my firm and how a number of uh, my colleagues joined. The very traditional model. <laughs> yes. Uh, so we did suspend that in uh, that program uh, starting in 2020. We didn't have a summer associate. Uh, program um, and uh, in 2021 as well, we didn't have a summer associate uh, program, um, and so you know we did still hire some people uh, during that time, but you know we weren't really able to bring them in the way that we like to. And you know, I don't want to say indoctrinate them, but. <laughs> uh, you know, give them kind of a, a 10 week taste of, you know, what, what the firm is about, um, and how we, how we work together, uh, which I do think does a lot for, I don't want to say weeding people out, but it allows people, you know, an extended view of what they're planning on getting into. And, you know, over 10 weeks, usually you can get a good sense of that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we also... Yeah, and, and we also plan things around that to, to build morale, such as, you know, we have outings or happy hours um, and, and just get togethers and lunches with the different practice groups for the summer associates. So, you know, they really do get that that taste and, and get enmeshed in, into the firm culture. So that being said, without going through that process and without having a lot of people in the office uh, on any given day um yeah it was it was harder for us to bring new hires in and have them mesh in the culture and you know kind of see what we were about um at an earlier stage and you know i'll, I'll say that we had a, a couple of hires that uh that didn't work out uh during the pandemic and you know i think that it was probably due in part to not getting that extended time for us to work with them um, as well as that extended time for them to work with us before you know we mutually made that decision to uh, to work together on an ongoing basis and I hadn't thought about that I mean I'm probably across the board everyone who had lined up uh, summer clerkships you know if those evaporated or if they were able to you know some people were doing them remotely too so that impacted the whole industry. Yeah, so we in 2020 we had 
made an offer for somebody to join us that summer as a summer associate. Uh, unfortunately, we were not able to pivot into a remote option for that. Uh, but what we did was we um, we went ahead and extended her an offer to join our firm following her third year in law school. So she did miss out on that 10-week experience. Um, but, uh, you know, often I think law students say that your main goal in that is to get the job offer. So right, uh, right. hopefully she she still felt that she she got the benefit of it. Good. Very good. Um, so speaking of recruiting um, new folks into the firm, is remote or hybrid work advertised in your job positions? And if so, have you seen that it's helped in attracting and retaining talent? You know, that is a good question. I'm not really involved in the lateral hiring so much as I am in the summer associate recruiting process and interview process. Yeah, at the bar, like I, I know that there were tons of people that were lined up for interviews. And as soon as they learned that we didn't have a remote work option after we all came back, they disappeared because yeah. this, this, you know, <laughs> this generation and I fully support it. If you're if you can create the life that works best for you, I fully support that. But so now our employment uh, advertising always says this is not a remote yes. work. It's very <laughs> clear position. and at the top. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Um, I know it does come up when we do interviews for lateral uh, attorneys coming over, you know, what is the firm policy on remote working? Um, and, you know, we do talk about it being a hybrid model, um, you know, with maybe a little bit more emphasis on being in the office. But, you know, there there are those options for, for remote working. And, you know, I, I should also say that even before the pandemic, my firm had policies that made special dispensations to certain people uh, who needed to work from home more often because of familial or health reasons. Uh, I personally had uh, went through a, a bout of a, a sickness um, for a couple of years, and you know, I, I was given the ability to work from home when I needed to. Um, and so, you know, we've had that flexibility built in. It just wasn't a, a firm wide thing that was uh, part of our policies until until the pandemic. But, you know, I think we've always had a little bit of flexibility there. Yeah. And I think it opened people's eyes to that. So, you know, we had a coworker that was having a difficult pregnancy and because we were already everything was in place, you know, and she was super productive when we worked from home. It was a no brainer to just say, absolutely. You know, um, right. we don't want to lose you. And it worked out great. And she's still here at the bar. So, yeah. Flexibility is key mm -hmm. for sure. Um, so when you do bring new people on board, is there a waiting period before they're allowed to, you know, have that hybrid schedule? Do you require them to work, you know, through that, maybe that 90 day period or whatever it might be for your policy? Uh, no, we don't. Um, what we do have are some trainings that will be taking place during the first few days, um, generally when somebody's onboarded. Uh, those trainings do happen in person, um, but we're talking about being done with those in the first three days or so uh, of the new hire. So we don't enforce any kind of waiting or cooling off period before somebody can can work from home. You know, actually, this past 
this past summer, we had a summer associate in and uh, their first week was the week before Memorial Day weekend. And uh, I realized that it was the Friday of that week and um, the summer associate was in the office and I was in the office and no one else was. <laughs> so I uh I took him to lunch and I said you should probably just go home for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> that was the right call. I'll see you on Tuesday. Day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very good. So are you aware um even with your branch offices with more office space becoming vacant, you know, due to people having that hybrid schedule or maybe working you know, more remote, fully remote, has your firm considered downsizing its physical office locations? Um, I can't really speak to that. Uh, I know before the pandemic hit, we actually had just signed a new lease uh, with a brand new building. Uh, It's now the Google building in Atlanta uh, to move our main office uh, over to, to that. We're all on long leases uh, as far as our other offices. And I, I can't say that, you know, strategically there's been a look to uh, reducing the footprint uh, in any of them. Um, you know, I, I will say that, you know, we see in the market a lot of buildings uh, trying to increase amenities uh, for tenants uh, to have them more encouraged to keep their larger leases and and have their employees in the office. Uh, For example, my building here in Jacksonville, it's the Bank of America Tower. They're converting the ninth floor of the building to a a communal space with a fitness center and gathering areas and a virtual golf simulator um, to to try to uh, (laughs) increase the amenities (laughs) and have people coming in more often. Yeah. Well, so as far as your coworkers, I know that you're not in all the branch offices, but have you observed any reduced burnout or some other positive outcomes since implementing uh, the four-day requirement, but with a little bit of flexibility to their work schedule? Do you guys talk about it? (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't think people talk about it enough, um, but, um, you know, just from my observations of other people, yeah, people do seem more refreshed when they're in the office. And I guess I'm talking about a few people in, in particular um, who may not have looked the most rested when they were there five days a week and, <laughs> you know, working long hours. Uh, but, you know, now that there's both the flexibility for reducing the days in the office and, you know, frankly, there might not be a policy for this, but I think people have reduced the number of hours that they're physically in the office uh, without there being you know, on any given day, without it being an, an issue. You know, for example, I myself might not come in until 10 o'clock in the morning because I've handled something from home earlier that day before making the commute um, or might leave early and meet up with a, a client for, for drinks and no one bats an eye about it uh, when, you know, pre-pandemic, there might have been that expectation that your butt's in your seat um, <laughs> until a certain time. I know a lot of new associates say that they can't leave the office until the partner that they work for leaves the office. 
don't think that's oh, ever my. a attitude that was really prevalent, at least in the 10 years I've been at my firm. Um, but, um, you know, the, that expectation, self-expectation, I guess, isn't uh, as strong anymore. And people are able to, you know, leave the office when their productivity starts to wane uh, and have that little mini recharge and can get back to it. Or, you know, maybe that's just the end of their day uh, without anybody looking at them askance. Well, and if you're getting your work done and there's people that are, you know, early birds and there's people that are night owls. So I think that there's got to be some flexibility to get the best work out of your employees. So I think flexibility is always a good thing if there's accountability as well. Yeah. And this kind of ties into my next question for you is, um, do you have any type of time tracking system to monitor workflows? Do you have to log in or or log out of some type of network so you are showing hey, I've put this amount of time in, or it almost sounds like it's leaning towards everyone can work as they need to, but just curious. And I'm worried, I I would wonder if the support staff maybe has a different system since they're not, you know, some paralegals are going to be billing their time, but then some support staff, um, are they, is there some program that you guys use? Yeah, so um, we use Intap um, as our billing software at our firm. Uh, so for all of the timekeepers, uh, meaning the lawyers and paralegals whose time is billed, uh, you know, we, we enter our time in there, uh, you know, billed to, to clients, uh, and nothing's changed about that from before the pandemic. We did, as we first went into the remote working, uh, we did change our policy as to how often time should be entered into there. Uh, before it was a time was to be entered within one week of the day uh, that are then going into the pandemic it turned into we, we want your time entered every day right so that there can be more of that real-time monitoring that you know whether there's a, a dip in productivity either in the aggregate or for an individual uh, our support staff who is hourly uses a different system to you know, clock in and clock out um, every day. Um, and you know, I don't think that there was any real comprehensive changes or implementations to, to monitor what they were doing. And it really just came down to the, uh, the people supervising them, uh, meaning the attorneys usually who were working with them to keep an eye on their on their output and their responsiveness to things that were asked of them. And, you know, I, I can say that, you know, I've seen firsthand where there had been some issues with people who maybe took advantage of working from home and didn't do as much uh, as we had seen from them in the past. Uh, you know, those, those issues were addressed um, directly with that that individual. Um, and maybe there was a slight change to the policy from working from home for, for that individual, at least for you know, a time um, to make sure that they were you know, heading back in the right direction. Yeah. And I think that it can be really revealing, like who are your self-starters? Who are the people that are 
that um, are completely trustworthy in that thing. So I think it almost like strengthens your team because, you know, a lot of experts have said that that was not a one-time deal that we could go through another pandemic. So it's like firms are better prepared to pivot more quickly that, you know, for the next time if it, if it happens. But you also want team members that you can count on, that everyone's going to be pulling together and getting their work done. That's right. Um, so so I, I think this was almost like a proofing situation for a lot of businesses. Yeah. And I think it's fair to just address it with that one person and, yeah. and yeah. don't and take not it away. punish everybody. Right. That's, that is, right. I hate when the policy changes for, you know, the 90% of the people that were doing exactly what they were supposed to be doing instead of just handling the isolated incidents. Right. Um, and so just speaking of policies, have there been any changes to your firm's vacation or sick leave policies now that you have this uh, hybrid schedule that people can work with? No, there hasn't been any reduction in the amount of time off uh, that is offered to our attorneys uh, and staff um, as a result of allowing to work from home. What I do think it probably has allowed actually is for people to use that time more for vacations uh, and real time off rather than I need to go to an appointment this afternoon, so I better take, you know, the day or a half day off completely so that, you know, no one questions why I'm leaving the office early. Um, when that person, you know, could work six hours before their appointment, go to their appointment and, you know, either log back in or, or not um, after their appointment's over, but not have to waste that, you know, that full day of, uh, of PTO to, to be able to, to take care of that. In so many places, because we weren't together sharing our germs, <laughs> people were getting less sick and using less of their um, sick leave because, you know, if you were getting more done and you weren't um, out in the world, I think that was interesting. A lot of people kind of um, had banked a lot of leave by the time they had to come back into the office. But you're right. Um, having right. some flexibility to, to go to doctor's appointments and stuff is very nice. At the bar, we have a flex day and you get to, it's, you, everybody chooses which day of the week they flex out at lunchtime. And so it's nice to be able to get all of that taken care of because, you know, the doctors aren't open on the weekends when you're off. So, okay, now we're going to pivot to my favorite topic <laughs> for a variety of reasons. There are firms that have decided that that remote work is just not an option for them at all. And I would strongly encourage them to consider the four-day work week. I have seen the promised land for mental health, and it is the four-day work week. <laughs> uh, one day for chores and laundry, one day for socializing and recreation, and one day to rest. Um, at the bar, we, had, we get to follow the court holidays. So this past September, we had three paid holidays that fell on Fridays and Mondays. And I was very um, mindful how I used them because it didn't feel like the clock was ticking when I left work on Friday. Like I had, I had the space to live my life. And so not long ago, um, Jamie and I did a podcast episode with Joe O'Connor. He is with the Work Time Reduction Center of Excellence. And we discussed the four-day work week study that was going on in it this is the guy who was doing it all over Europe. I mean, they have like thousands and thousands of participants. And across the board, the results were consistently impressive. Employees were returned to work refreshed. There was increased productivity and profits. They dramatically increased their employee morale and decreased absenteeism. Do you think law firms could successfully and will successfully transition to a four-day work week. I feel like your firm is primed for it. Yeah, you're like. <laughs> almost there. So what are, what are your thoughts? And do you have you heard about that? Uh, I have heard about that. 
I think it's a wonderful idea. Um, unfortunately, I think that it is hard to implement because one thing that we haven't talked about with my firm policy is that it's always as work allows, right? Is is the uh, the caveat that's put on there, and unfortunately, my firm particularly is is kind of heavy on litigation, which means if the judge says you're going to come in and have a hearing on Friday, <laughs> you're coming in and having a hearing on Friday. Um, you know, you can't. We're at the mercy of the court, as it were, uh, to to tell us when when we're doing things and. Um, you know, we're also at the mercy of our co-counsel and opposing counsel and clients, frankly, for when we're able to meet and get certain things done, have depositions taken or engage in other discovery. So I think it'd be very difficult for, you know, a firm or a couple of firms to transition to to the four-day work week with regularity. Um which is you know, obviously what what the goal would be was that this is the you know this is what we're doing every week you know everyone always has you know either Monday or Friday off uh, as well as the rest of the weekend. Now, if there was a change in the legal profession or the bar, <laughs> that's what we're trying yes. to, to cause and, here. Rich, right. get on board with us. <laughs> no, but I mean, like all the objections that we've heard because we discussed this, like um, Joe O'Connor, a ton of law firms in Europe are doing this because the office is open just like it was before. So half the staff is Monday through Thursday. The rest of the staff is Tuesday through Friday. When you have one of those hearings pop up, well, then your other day floats. So, you know, if everyone in the office knows how to reach you, if there's an emergency and stuff, but you just shift it, I've got to be in court on Friday. So now yeah. I've moved my, my, my day off. But I really think that this is, and I, I think it's going to be, it's, it's a complete paradigm shift in the way that law firms think. But if you got more done, if people came back happier, healthier, really ready to work. And they, it, I think there should be more pilots of this. I think that it could work in a lot of businesses, even a law firm, because it's one of those things where if it was always, I, I think that there were a bunch of firms that tried to not go to remote work and then they were forced to, and then saw mm -hmm. the advantages of it. So I'm just going to keep putting it out there. Yeah, so just, let, yeah, I would <laughs> love it. A seed. <laughs> as, as the chair of the mental health and wellness <laughs> yeah. lawyers, yeah. I feel like you need to take up this uh, banner. With yeah. us. No pressure. Well, just yeah. share it with other attorneys. You know? I would love to do that and, and be able to work that out. Frankly, um, I use kind of that model myself in that I don't schedule things for Fridays. I don't schedule meetings for Fridays. Uh, you know, if, if something gets scheduled by a court, obviously I'm, I'm taking care of that. Uh, but Fridays are my administrative day, or at least that's what I call it. And basically it's time for me to catch up on all of my non-billable work that I have to do either because of my volunteer positions or because of my position as a partner in the firm that has administrative obligations as well. And so that's kind of, you know, I have that day and then Sundays are chore days and Saturdays are, <laughs> uh, you know, hybrid. That's my, my relaxation in the morning and, um, and, and doing some errands and after that. 
And I think that this is happening quietly and people aren't talking about it because it's almost like if people find out, then it's going to be shut down. Um, my doctor, my dentist, uh, you can't come in on Friday. They Somebody will answer the phone and they will schedule you an appointment for another day. And they never come right out and say, you know, we're just flat closed, but they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that people, once they have... And that's what Joe O'Connor told us. Once these companies did it, even the people that were objectors, they didn't go back. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I think that it's got to, yeah, I just think that it's going to, I think it's happening. I I keep hearing, um, I heard that, uh, I don't know that this is getting enacted, but in the state of Pennsylvania, they were trying to get a state law passed that if you had more than 500 employees, you had to go to a four-day work week. And it wasn't Mm -hmm. a reduction in pay. It was just a reduction in hours. And the productivity had to stay the same. So I still think this is going to keep rolling out. Yes. Yes. We can can make this happen. (laughs) So we did touch on this just a little bit earlier on, but we we were talking about how Sometimes people find that if they're working from home, they're always on or they, they feel compelled to log onto their computer. Has your firm, though, made any measures to, to make it clear for everyone that there's a division between your work and your personal time and, and that way there's a healthy balance? Has there any, been anything put in place as far as what you have going on at your firm? Uh, frankly, I don't think that there are any uh, firm-wide policies on that, uh, you know, I might be a little bit more attuned to that than the normal partner at my firm, uh, given my health history and, and my position uh, with the Mental Health and Wellness Committee at Florida Lawyers. Um, and so um, I'm very mindful of that. I will often, you know, put at the beginning of an email that I might be sending after hours just because that's the time that I've gotten around to it. Um, you know, if I'm sending it to another associate or support staff, it will say, you know, the beginning of the email will say for tomorrow. Right. (laughs) Um, or, you know, I've seen people using the signature line. My work hours aren't necessarily your work hours. I don't expect you to, you know, answer this immediately. And, you know, I, I will put that in there as well. I also like using delay delivery on Outlook messages. That's a good one. Yes. Um, because, you know, I often do uh, clear out my email inbox over the weekend uh, when I get around to it. <laughs> uh, and so using delay delivery until Monday is uh, is very nice to, you know, not make people's phones buzz with new emails over the weekend that they feel compelled to check or making them check emails and, and think, am I supposed to be doing this this weekend? Or is this, you know, is this for Monday? Uh, and so it just takes that guesswork out of yeah. it. And that, that's kind because as a partner, you know, you don't want to make an associate jump because they heard from you. Right. Um, in, our, in our department, we have 12 people. And I, if I'm not going to be at work, I'm doing something else, I will say, you can email me. But if it's an emergency, text me. I'm really close to my staff. So I know mm-hmm. that they will reach out. So I do not check my email any longer. Like after I, I'm making such a point after uh, being this bar staff liaison to mental health and wellness, I have tried to implement some of those things. Okay. But I have to and ask. We're proud of you your, for it. <laughs> thank <laughs> you. Well, how is your running routine doing now? How did that wind up? Uh, <laughs> well, my running routine is great. 
Uh, I've run two uh, mar- full marathons uh, since the start nice. of the pandemic. Uh, quite a few half marathons since then. Um, for comparison's sake, I had w- run one full marathon in 2010 and, and none since uh, before the, the start of the pandemic. Um, you know, it's just great to, to have that that space and that ability to say, you know, I'm going to get my run in this morning and, you know, it's okay that I don't get into the office by 8.30 in the morning. I can still have that time for, for myself and, you know, no one's looking over my shoulder to make sure I'm in the office and, and planted in front of my computer by, by a certain time. Yeah. And that's a positive change. I'm glad that, that there are some residual positives from the shift in what is expected of the firm. And I hope that that continues. Absolutely. Um, well, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Thank you so much, Rich Rivera, for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. And Rich, if our listeners have questions, how can they find you? Sure. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Richard Rivera. Uh, and my firm is Smith, Gambrell, and Russell, in case you're trying to figure out which one of those <laughs> guys is me. Um, you can also find me on uh, Twitter or X. Um, at ESQ underscore RR, uh, or you can reach out directly to me by email. It's rrivera at sgrlaw.com. Perfect. Thank you. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts and join us next time for another episode of the Florida Bar's Legal Field Podcast brought to you by the Practice Resource Center of the Florida Bar. I'm Christine Bilbrey. And I'm Jamie Moore. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalFuel.com. Don't miss an episode by subscribing to the Florida Bars podcast via iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and RSS. Find the Florida Bars Practice Resource Center Legal Fuel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by the Florida Bar. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.